So last week, um, <clears throat> I spent the week out at uh, Cornerstone Baptist Church out in Finley, Ohio. So I was going to share just a little bit. Um, I finished my studying out of Chapter 3 of Song of Solomon, and I'm very excited about it. But I decided last minute to do this instead um, because there was just a few things for me that <clears throat> were really good reminders um, that just was very, very helpful because, I mean, day in and day out, I'm, I'm involved in ministry. Everything that I do between the people that I talk to, the phone calls that I make, um, everything that I administrate, the stuff that I prepare, it's all about ministry. And, um, and so a lot of you guys might think that, um, that it's, it's, it's easy for me to stay focused on what God wants me to do. And while it is my job, um, it's very easy for me to get distracted from what God wants me to do because there's so many things that I need to take care of. And then on top of that, having family, kids, and all that kind of stuff, um, it can just be very, very difficult to stay focused on the right thing. And so we've talked to you guys about, you know, over the years that you've been in here, um, about just working through the facts of, yeah, life is busy. Your schedules are crazy. And you need to make priority for the things that really, really matter. And it's crazy to think about this, but this is so true. And you'll you'll get it once you hit my age and you start having a family and stuff like that. You guys, even though you're busy now, you are really not that busy. Mm. <laughs> that was an amen back from Annie in the corner. Mm. It's amazing to me to think back over my life. And it's amazing to, to see what you guys are actually capable of doing. Like right now, things are nuts and they're crazy. You've got sports, you've got school, you've got jobs, you've got you know issues at home you're dealing with, personal issues you're working through, the things that God's convicting you of. There's so many things, but I'm telling you that what you're going through now is is really nothing in comparison to what you're going to be going through in the future. Um, I heard a sermon um, a couple weeks ago of a guy who, back back when I went to Costa Rica, so I went to Costa Rica two times, once with a bunch of single guys. Uh, we went down on a mission trip. It was a blast. We had a ton of fun. And then another time, it was a mix between some uh, older gentlemen that were uh, married, um, and then I went along with them too. And so both trips were amazing. Well, during the trip, I think it was our first trip, I met a guy named Will. Will Mata. Do you remember Will? Okay. So Will ended up meeting um, this girl who went to Mike Blake's church, and they ended up getting married. And now they live in Kansas City. Well, Will is a pastor at Midtown Baptist Temple. And Midtown is very similar as far as the philosophy of ministry as us here. So they do one-on-one discipleship. They're a KJV church. They have their own Bible institute, things like that. Well, he was preaching, and he said something that really rung a bell with me that I appreciated. Uh, Go to Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, and then we'll be diving into the stuff that I um, had prepared this morning. But Ecclesiastes chapter 12. God bless you. Ecclesiastes 12, last chapter of the book, right before Song of Solomon. You know, this one is written by Solomon as well at the latter end of his, uh, his days as a king um, after he had given his heart over to the lusts and desires that he wanted to pursue rather than God. And this book is a reflection of that pursuit. And so in chapter 12, he makes the conclusion of the whole matter. Um, and I love here, I love 13 and 14. It says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. So that's a great thing to, to remember. 
Uh, I'll talk about that in a minute. But before he, he closes it out, he ends everything. Out of all the stuff I talked about, this is the most important thing. You need to fear God and keep his commandments because that's your duty because everybody's going to stand before God and give an account of their life. So in light of that context of those two verses, he starts off this chapter with a very important statement. So verse 1 of chapter 12, he says, Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. And then he keeps going. And there's more things we could talk about there. But verse 1, I just wanted to just open it up with this verse. He says, remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. So right now, in your age, in your time of life, you are a youth. You're not at the point where you're having to make too many adult decisions. You're not at the point where you're having to care for yourself completely quite yet. Some of you are transitioning into that, but you're not there yet. You're still within this youthful stage. And what does he say? Remember when? Now. Remember now who? Thy creator. There is something that's very, very unique about this time in your life. Looking back over my life, between the ages of 16 to about 21 were very pivotal times of my life. Um, That's where I really feel like when it came to this world, my flesh, the devil, there's opportunities to either just completely ruin my life and destroy it or to have great success. And everything really hinges on these these years that you, you guys are in right now. And I remember back when I was uh, about 19 um, is when, you know, I've told you guys my story before. You know, when I was 18, I decided to live a period of about a year and seven months in sin, and I just refused to deal with it properly. And then, so I'm hitting now 19 is when I finally got right with God towards the tail end of that year. And I decided I'm done. I'm done messing around. I've just done, just, I'm, I'm, forget it. I'm quit. I can't keep living like this. I need to live right. And so then I did. And so the 19, 20, 21, 22, those ages of my life are significant. When I look back over it, at that stage of my life, I was able to invest more in myself spiritually than any other time in my life. Like there are things that I'm learning now for sure. And there's deeper truths that God's teaching me now. But that age of my life was the age where I really began to get my mind around the Bible, where I really learned how to study the Bible, where I really began to um, dive into passages and verses and, and kind of build a database in my head of different things that were like critical, like monumental verses in the Bible, like verses that I quote all the time to you guys, like I do Second Peter 3. I do that one all the time. When I talk about, you know, uh, Proverbs 18, when I talk about Proverbs 26, when I talk about uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, when I talk about, um, you know, just all these other verses that really just come to my mind like, like crazy, it's because these were verses that really meant a lot to me at that time because God was teaching me deep, deep things in my heart, very fundamental things. And so I believe that it's a giant conspiracy from the enemy of God that during your age, where it's from 16 to about 21, that he will try to do anything and everything that he can to keep you occupied with everything else other than spiritual things. I firmly believe that. Because if you actually took the time to invest, like the Bible says, remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth, there's going to come a time later, because that's what it says, look at after the comma, while the evil days come not, 
nor the years draw nigh when thou shalt say I have no pleasure in them. So there is going to be coming this time where your decisions that you make later on in life, once you get past 25 and things like that, and even before 25, but just in general, where the decisions that you make will make or break you in the rest of your life. Because once you start being responsible for another person in marriage, once you start having children of your own that you have to raise and guide, you better make sure that you have the fundamentals down. You've got to make sure you have the fundamentals down. People that decide, okay, I'm going to live however I want, and then, you know, you know, I've seen this happen where it's like, you know, oops, you know, I'm the person I was dating, we were messing around sexually, got pregnant, so now let's just get married, and then now we're raising our kid. And then once the kid's born, well, the kid's getting a little bit older, uh, I need, I need, this child needs spiritual growth in their life, so let's start taking the child to church then. Let's start getting serious then. No, no, no. That's not how this thing works. It's completely backwards. The way that it's supposed to work is that you have a spiritual investment in your life now so that you can make proper decisions because marriage and and having kids is already hard enough when you do it the right way. It's hard. It is a major test of your faith and what you're going to do, what kind of character that you're going to have, what kind of character you're going to instill in your children. That this, this phase of your life that's coming like down the road for you guys is really not that far off. I don't want to freak you out too much this morning, but it's really not that far off. It's not. I mean, I was married at 23 to turn 24 the next day. You know, Megan was, what, 22 at the time. So, I mean, you guys are not, I mean, how many of you are 18? That's four years from now. Isn't that weird to think about? It's amazing how fast it goes. And then to think about the fact that you guys graduate high school and then you're in the transition period of your life going into college and getting jobs and trying to figure all that stuff, that's hard to deal with too. I say all these things because I want you guys to realize the time you have now in order to invest in your life now on the spiritual level. Because you may not ever have this time ever again like this. You may not. You need to make sure that you understand that because if you are trading the opportunity to get close to God for other things, you will regret it one day. You will absolutely regret it one day. And I don't say that to make you feel bad. I'm telling you the truth because I love you and I care about you. And I want you to do better than what I've done. And I know that I could have done better. There there are moments and years that I wasted from 17, 18, 19 that I can't ever get back again, that I should have been investing in my life more on a spiritual level. So that doesn't mean you have to quit the stuff that you're doing. I'm not saying that at all. For some of you, yes, that is the answer. But for it's, I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying is you got to make sure that you have the right priorities. you got to make sure you have the right priorities because there's some things that just don't matter. And then we think they really do matter and we make them a big deal. But I'm telling you, five years from now, you're going to look at it and say, yeah, those things really don't matter. Because what happened in my life is that things got pressed on me with responsibility, decision-making, and carrying the weight of responsibility of my life where there are certain things that they just, they just left. They just they left my life because they weren't as important. And I would have thought they were just super important, but they really weren't all that important. Bless you. All right.
So, I wanted to mention that to you because I want you guys to really get it. That's my heart on it. Uh, at the end of the day, you guys have to make the decision on what you guys are going to do and how you are going to invest your life. Um, but I'm just here to kind of be up here to tell you, uh, make good choices, make good investments. Because you're, you guys could make a seriously good investment now on a spiritual level that will benefit you for years and years and years and years to come. And when you look back on it, you will come to me and say, you were totally right. You will. You will. Believe me. Believe me, because there's things that I regret majorly. All right, so with that in mind, I want to get into a little bit of just some of the things that God reminded me of. Some of these things you guys have heard before, but I want you to forget what you've heard before, and I want you to try to hear this as if it was the first time. Go to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. John chapter 4. Okay, so... So when we were gone over at Cornerstone, we were um, responsible to help uh, really train the church and show them their need for biblical discipleship. And uh, man, they were pumped about it. Oh, they were pumped about it. Their youth leader, his name is Levi, Levi Schlumbum. That's his name. He said when he was a kid, he hated his name. Now he loves it. So, and then his wife's name is Molly, and they are sweet. I love them to death. So um, there's a good chance that we are going to be doing a combined activity with them at some point. Um, don't know when, but we talked about doing it uh, just to get our youth groups together. Um, they, uh, they're, they're just super excited about it. Um, so Sammy and Landry and um, uh, who else was with them? Um, Emily Boffman. Uh, ended up, the three of them met with the girls during the time where they were going through the material and, and talking to them about discipleship. And then Levi and I met with the guys and uh, were just able to talk with them about it and get them into, like, what, what do you do in discipleship? How does it, how does it look? How does it feel? Uh, what do you expect? How do you match people up? Um, and then talking about their need for discipleship. So it was really amazing. So by the end of it, I had about seven guys to start off with. Two of them didn't come back after Sunday night. And so the, the remaining guys that were there um, are committed to doing discipleship as far as I know and um, very excited to see how it goes with them uh, so but there's just a few things that were a great reminder to me that were very helpful just to kind of refocus my heart and my mind because there's many things that we could be doing as far as the youth ministry is concerned and and those things could be good and they could be fun and they could be entertaining but you always have to keep in mind okay am I doing the right things like there's many things I could be doing, but am I doing the right things? And and that is a very important question you need to ask yourself. So here's the first thing. is John chapter 4, and someone take verse 34. 34. Yeah, go ahead, Ken. Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. Okay, very simple. Jesus' focus, his meat, what he wanted to do is to do the will of God and to finish the work. That's it. Out of all the things that Jesus could be doing, he thought in his own heart, in his own mind, the most important thing I could be doing is to be doing his will in the work that he gave me to do. That's it. Now, did Jesus do other things? Absolutely. He loved people. He spent time with people. He sat down and ate with people. He healed people. You know, he talked to people. He preached. He did but. His focus was one thing. It was to do the will of him that sent me and to finish that work. So that's something that's really, really critical. Go over to chapter 5 and look at verse 36. Can we get a reader for that one? 36. 536. 
Sophia. Okay, so he came to do the will of him, finish the work, and then he said, the works which the Father hath given me to finish, the same works that I do, bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. And he even said at the beginning of this verse that this is a greater witness than John the Baptist. Now, John the Baptist was a significant witness. I mean, he was out in the wilderness and he was preaching and he was telling people the word of God. I mean, people, everyone came out to see him. But the work that Jesus did was a greater testimony than John the Baptist. So let me just kind of shake this down for you. There is a work that you guys can be involved in that is a greater witness than any person that would stand up and preach the Bible. You get what I'm talking about here? It's a greater work than, than because like you guys might think that like the stuff that I do or I, like I preach last Sunday morning or, or teaching up here or, or whatever, like you might think that that's important and, and it is important. The Bible says that we should be doing it. But there is a work that is more important than that. It even gives a greater witness of God than that. Because that's what he says. It's a greater witness than that of John. The same works that Jesus did, they bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. So it even proved that he was from God. All right, so now we just need to figure out what this work actually is. Go over to chapter 17. We've gone through this pattern several times before, but I want you to see this as if it's the first time. Some of you, this is the first time that you've seen this. But I want you to see this. It's important that you see it and that you believe it. So what is this work? What is this work that Jesus was talking about? Verse 4, chapter 17, verse 4. It says, Jesus is talking to God the Father, and he said, I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. So when you finish the work that God's given you to do, you have glorified him. That's what Jesus did, and he glorified God. That is the purpose of your life. The purpose of your life is to glorify God. Well, how do you glorify God? It's very simple. You do what he tells you to do. That's what you do. It's very simple. So he glorified God. He finished the work. Now, what was that work? Now, he had one plan to reach the entire world, and it was through this work. And this one plan was a perfect reflection of, of God the Father. And so what was it? So look down at verse 6. Someone read verse 6. What's that one? Go ahead. Haley. Okay, what is that? Yes, more specifically, when you manifest God to a person, evangelism. That's evangelism. So when you when you make clear, because it's manifest, manifest is to make clear. Like when they talk about having a manifest on it, like a shipment manifest. Well, what is that? It's a list of things that are being shipped to wherever. It gives an itemized detail of what they are, how much they weigh, everything. Here's a clear representation of everything that's currently in this crate. It's manifest. So they do. Same thing on an airplane when they have the manifest of the passengers. Who is on this plane? Here's a list of names, and here's where they're seated. Same thing. So when we manifest God to people, we are holding up a document and says, this is God. Right here, black and white. That's what we do. So when you manifest God, you are sharing with people who God actually is. And that's super important because how many people do you know of that have a warped view of who God is? I know quite a bit. 
there's a lot of people that don't understand who God is. So Jesus said, part of this work was to manifest God's name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the, out of the world. To manifest. So the first thing is evangelism. And that's our word that makes people scared to do it. But all it is is just talking about who God is to people. I mean, if you're not having regular conversations with people about who God is, then there's something that's not right. It's like what I talked about last Sunday. We love God, therefore he's part of who we are. You're not embarrassed to talk about people you love. We shouldn't be. But yet sometimes we're afraid to bring God up to people. Well, if you love God, you will be talking about him. And you might know that someone might be upset if you bring it up, but you love God. Since you love him, you talk about him all the time. He should be in your thoughts all the time because we love him. We say we love him, so that should be the accurate reflection of it. So evangelism is a lot more difficult than what we actually make it. It's really easy. It's just talking about God to other people. Right? It could be giving the gospel, but not necessarily. The gospel is just only one aspect of God. I mean, there's so many things to talk about God when it comes to God. There's so many things we could be talking about when it comes to God. But evangelism, manifesting who God actually is to people. All right? So that's the first thing. Now let's keep going down. Um, let's see, verse 7, it says, Now they have known all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. And then verse 8, someone read that one. Verse 8. Who wants that one? Luke. For I have given unto them the word which thou gavest me, and they have received them, and have said surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. Okay, so Jesus Christ gave unto them, those that believed, those that believe the manifestation of who God is, he gave them what? The words which thou gavest me, and they have received them. So someone who has trusted in who God actually is, could be the gospel in that regard. So they have received the gospel of their salvation. They are now born again. You take the word of God and you get, because this is what God gave me. I mean, it's really simple. God gave me his words and I've, I've received them. They're mine. So now I have someone else who has believed God. And so then I give him God's words, and then they receive them as theirs. This is discipleship. That's all it is. And the word that we use for this one, just to keep in line with the ease, is edification. Edification. So between these two things, you have discipleship. This is discipleship. Discipleship is always involved with evangelism and edification, manifesting who God is, and then building up those that have received it as truth. Because that's all edify means, is to build something up, is to build it up. So evangelism and edification always gives you discipleship. Now what's amazing about this is that he then says this here, and then look down at verse, uh, verse 9. So we already read verse 8, verse 9. I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. And here's verse 9, which you see is, And all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am, present tense, I am glorified in them. So when you believe in the manifestation of who God is, the gospel, and then you receive God's words, you believe them, you receive God's words, and you begin to work it out in your life, you are glorifying God in that moment. The moment the person gets saved, they're glorifying God. The moment they receive God's words and they begin living them out, they're now glorifying God. And then as you do as Jesus did, where you then turn around and do that to somebody else, you are glorifying God. You're glorifying God. 
because you are believing him and this is part of his will. He wants the world to know who he is. That's his whole goal is he wants everyone. He wants everyone to know about how much he loves them and how much he cares about them. He wants them to know about the judgments that's going to come if they don't repent from their sins. He wants people to know who he is. And he wants people to receive the words of God. That's the will of God. And that's what Jesus did. And he says, I am glorified in them. That is absolutely amazing. I love that. I love that. Now go over to verse 14. And he says, I have given them thy word. There it is again, there's edification. And the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest keep, take them out of the world, but that, that, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. So as the word of God is invested into your life and you receive it as yours, it sets you apart from God or from the world unto God. You are sanctified unto God through receiving that as yours. It becomes your truth. You're set apart, away from the world and unto God for his purposes. Okay, and then verse 18, this is the kicker, and this is why we know it's our mission too. Jesus said in verse 18, As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. So Jesus did the same thing with his disciples. He wanted them to go and manifest God's name and to give God's words to others. And then verse 19, and for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. So this whole concept, this whole mission was not just given to the disciples, but it was given to those that were going to believe on their testimony. So when Jesus came, here's God, all right? And then people believed him. And then he had his disciples, and then out of his disciples, he chose 12. And actually, when you look at it, there was actually three that were super close to Jesus. Then you had the 12, and you had the 70, and then you had the 500. But they all believed. And then he gave them God's words, and they believed those. And so then he turned around and says, now go and do the exact same thing. So you had like 500 people that would go out, and they would say, here's who God is. And then there would be some that would believe. Those who believe, give God's words to them, build them up and edify them so that way they could go out and do the exact same thing. That's how this is supposed to unfold. And then God is glorified. And so he says, I don't just pray for them, but on those that are going to believe through their word because they're going to go and do the exact same thing. So this whole concept needs to be, if it's not already, it needs to be the very foundation of your life. That's why I'm saying like, you don't have to quit the stuff you're doing at all. That's not what I'm saying at all, at all. But if these things don't exist in your life, then you're not doing the will of God and you can't glorify him every day. It's not possible. It's just not possible. It's, there's no way. Like out of, out of all the things that I could be doing with my time, this is the most important thing. Out of all the stuff I could, I mean, even when it comes to my wife and my kids, out of all the things that I could show them or teach them or train them in, this, because I want my wife and my kids to honor and to glorify God. I mean, I should. And so if this is what he said that we have to do in order to honor and glorify God, then, then I need to be about this business. 
And so then the things that you, because each of you are unique. Some of you are like stellar at sports. Some of you are really good when it comes to academics. Some of you are really good at, 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 at arts and, and, and different things. Some of you are really good at music. Some of you are really good at, at just being a good friend. Some of you are terrible at being a good friend. Some of you, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> so all, out of all the things that God has equipped you with, God desires for you to use those things to do this. He has not designed you to have your purpose in those things. And that's hard because it can be very easy to mix that up. Your purpose is not in your skills and your abilities and your talents. That is not your purpose. I mean, if you want to figure that out on your own, go for it. I'm telling you now, it's not your purpose. It will come to an end at some point. It will. This is your purpose. And God wants you to use you to do that. But we all do this. And it's not like there's a right or wrong way to evangelize or to edify. God made you. So however you are wired to manifest God to people, do it. However you are wired to invest God's word into people, do it. If you have to follow someone else's lead to, to work it out, that's fine. But how has God made you? That's the point. And here's the whole reason behind all of this. You know, over the past year or so, um, you know, I feel like things in our youth ministry have been, it's been hit and miss. Um, but I feel like we've not all been on the same page. I really just feel like all of us, we've not been on the same page with stuff. And there, there are various reasons for that. I mean... And we can point fingers at this and that and this and that and this and that. There's this reason or this, per- this, 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 these, whatever. We could do that all day long, but those are not the reasons. We're not on the same page. Those are not the reasons. Whatever, whatever in your mind has stopped you from being more involved with what we're doing here, that's not the reason. Whatever it is. And we're all different because we all vary in our involvement. That's not the reason why we've not been all on the same page. We have not been all on the same page because we've not been on the same page with this. We've not. It really is that simple. And, and I'll prove it to you. I'll prove it to you. Go over to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Acts 2. Peter preaches a powerful message. And it, the way that all that unfolds is that you've got the disciples that are in the upper room. There's about 120 of them in the upper room. And they receive the Holy Spirit. And they go out and they start preaching. And they start manifesting God to the Jews that are at Jerusalem. And then finally, there's such a stirring in the city that Peter stands up and then he open air preaches. And out of all the work that had been done by the 120 as they went out, there were thousands of people that got saved that day. Thousands of people that got saved that day. Peter preached and thousands of people got saved. And then look at verse, let's see here, verse let's, uh, 2 and, let's see, 41. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, which was Jesus' doctrine, by the way, and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common. 
and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. You see it? They believed God and they received God's words and they were all of one heart, one accord, one mind, fellowship together, accomplishing the mission. And the result in verse 47 is that people were added to the church. How many people among your peers have been added to the church this last year? We're not on the same page. You see what I mean? If we're on the same page, things will be happening. I'm not saying you're not talking about God to others, but there's something that's not functioning right. Because when I see in the book of Acts, I see in the Bible where there are people that it is their life. This is their life. This is everything they do. This is their purpose. And they're moving forward. God is working with them and people's lives are affected and there will be people that are going to be added to the church. There will be people. We will grow. That's the idea. That's the idea behind it. Go over to chapter 4. Chapter 4. Verse 31. 4.31 says, And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. So they spoke the word of God. Verse 32, and the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that ought of the things which he possessed of his own, but they had all things common. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. I love it. I love it. Go over to 1 Corinthians 1. 1 Corinthians 1. 1 Corinthians 1. Verse 10. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. <laughs> How many more times you can say it in one verse? Now, how is that possible? Because we all have differing opinions. We all have differing values. We all can get on each other's nerves. Am I right? <laughs> am I, I mean, am I right or am I right? <laughs> we can get on each other's nerves. We got quirks. Some of you guys are weird. So how are we all going to get on the same page to be of one mind so there's no divisions? How? How in the world can we do that? One more place I want you to see. Go to Philippians 1. Philippians 1. There is stuff like this all over the scriptures. Now that I've pointed out, you may actually see it the more you read the Bible. Philippians 1. Here it is. Here's the kicker. Someone read 27. 127. Who wants it? Jamie, go ahead. There it is. That's how. 
You only let your conversation, your manner of life, be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. And here's the reason. Whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs. And this is what he wants to hear. That ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. That's how. That's how. That we are all striving together for the sake of the gospel in your life and in the lives of other people. When you do that, let me tell you, those of you that have helped out with VBS, and we do stuff like that, do you not feel like a unit, like a team, when you're doing something like that? Heck yeah, you do. You do, because you're all focused on one mission, that you want to, see, you want to love these kids, and you want to see them receive the truth of the gospel. When we were on the mission to Cornerstone, we have, I mean, look, just look around at the team. The team was just crazy diverse between old, young, uh, I mean, between those that have crazy life experiences that have been saved for a long time, not saved for a long time. But we were all unified as a team because we had one common goal. We had one thing in mind. And so here's the thing. Until you individually do this, it's just not going to flow right in here. It's just not. Because this is my heart and this is my mind and I want to go do this. I would love to do this. This is, this is, this is, whenever I've been serving God, I've been doing this with, with my whole heart. There's nothing like it. But I can't do it on my own. And the same goes for you guys. So until you actually get this in your blood and it becomes everything that you do, we are not going to be on the same page in here. We're just not. And that's what the Bible says. People try to manufacture unity and that's not how you do it. You get everyone pointed in the same direction and everybody's doing, I mean, it's just, it's absolutely amazing. The illustration I think in my mind is like a guitar. If I get my guitar out and I play a chord and it's all tuned, sounds gorgeous, right? But you take one string and you turn that crank either up or down and it's off key, play the same chord, what happens? Ugh! He needs to tune his guitar. It's just one string. It's just one string. Think about that for a second. I mean, there are pianos that you play and there's like one string that's off and so then the pianist has to learn how to skip that key. That's one more thing they have to think about as they're playing the song. It doesn't work, it's not supposed to be that way. You should not have to think about, well, this key's off, that key's off, so I can't play that, I can't play that, I can't, ah! <laughs> it's just not gonna work. The whole thing should be in tune. So until we get in tune with what God says our will is, we're not going to really do anything to glorify God. We're not. And like I said, it doesn't mean that you have to quit what you're doing, but you definitely need to reprioritize. We've got to reprioritize. You have to look at this completely different. And if you need help on how to figure that out, I mean, we're here to help you. I'm trying to figure out this stuff on my, in my life too because i got to reshuffle priorities in my life too. But at the end of the day, if I have not done my job to manifest God's name to someone that day, or to build somebody else up in their walk with God, I've wasted my day. I have. And that's a good measuring stick for me. But in order for us to actually get along and do this thing, we've got to lay aside all the things that we may, may find are just strange and weird about each and every one of us. And we've got to focus on the faith of the gospel and doing the will of God and doing this. That's the only way this is going to work. So we've got, what, like a couple months left of school, if that? And I want to go like gangbusters. I want to be able to just knock out the rest of this year and really just just do a good job for what God has, has given us. He's given you guys more time. The year's not over yet. You guys can do something. 
And you don't have to live tomorrow like you lived two days ago. You don't have to. You can actually make a change today. You can. And so I'm hoping that you will. I'm hoping that you will. Because I want to do a better job. And this is just a great reminder to me. There's so many things I could be doing, but there's one thing that I need to be doing, and that's this. It's this. And if I'm not doing that, then I'm not doing it right. All right? Okay, so that's what I wanted to share with you guys today. So let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll head into the main service. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for teaching us what you've taught us. I pray that we would apply these things to our life and that we would uh, just live differently uh, for your name's sake, to, to honor you and to glorify you. So help us, God. We need your help. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.